Hello, Miles. Hello, Julie, and everyone else. Aww. Uh, it's great to be here with you on this Friday. Likewise. I can't believe it's Friday. It's both felt like a very quick and a very long week. Yes. Um, I'm interested in the quick part, but <laughs> first on the long, I just want to start out on the note of acknowledging how, like what a gutting time this is, uh, for queer people, queer youth, and specifically trans youth and the families of, who love their trans kids and, all trans people such as yourself who are deeply affected by the legislation being pushed that's just like really truly like cruel to trans people and targeting trans youth and I just wanted to say acknowledge that and just say it's really gutting and devastating and how are you holding up? Yeah, I appreciate that and I I think speaking for myself, there are two things that happen when we have a legislative uh, experience like we're having this week. Now, um, to kind of back up, twenty the, the whole last year, so it's early 2022, but starting back in early 2021, uh, there was an unprecedented amount of anti-trans bills. Uh, introduced really? into state legislatures. Now, um, the majority of these are specifically attacking trans and gender nonconforming youth. And um, yeah, I, I, I think that when I interact with these messages and I interact uh, with the pro- proposed legislation, I have immediately uh, kind of advocacy mm-hmm. response. Mm-hmm. I, I very much am a person who goes into um, strategy, mm-hmm. who goes into solution making. And I think there's a part of that <laughs> which is healthy. There's a part of it that is... Um, constructive and there's a part of it that is like personality personality oriented i do want um i am a person who wants to build a better world mm-hmm. um but <laughs> there's another part of that kind of like advocacy response which i do think uh is connected to trauma you know mm-hmm. it is a survival adaptation um rather than being um confronted, you know, in, in my body by this like psychological assault, mm-hmm. um, I, I try to fix, right. Mm-hmm. I, I try to, um, m- like mobilize myself, you know, and, and really start focusing on the work part of it as, as a form of kind of, uh, avoidance, Mm. Um, especially in terms of my emotions and the kinds of uh, sadness and anger and um, pain mm-hmm. that uh, seeing these bills and hearing um, like the public rhetoric 
causes me to feel. So, um, yeah, that, that is also a kind of descriptor of, of what the last few days have been like for me. I, Mm -hmm. on one hand, um, am kind of operating in an educational kind of way where I am, am answering questions and, and I'm doing that because I want to, I want people to have more information. Mm -hmm. I want them to have more information so that they make, um, healthy decisions. I, I want them to be able to support the trans people in their lives. Um, and I want trans people to have, uh, a sense of power mm-hmm. and confidence and, um, to know that there are, um, really strong, um, ways that not only can we defend ourselves, but, um, that it, our, our lives are not just about reacting to mm-hmm. these moments that we can live um, and speak mm. and operate in a way where we don't have to have um, this kind of like vigilance in order to just be okay and to make mm-hmm. it. So um, I've been doing that. Um, and, and then the other side of that is I have been trying to give myself some room um, to, to be sad. You know, mm-hmm. and, and to think about my life specifically as like it pertained to my childhood and my adolescence and what my gender journey, uh, what has complicated my, my gender journey along the way. Um, mm-hmm. I, I believe that one of the ways people like you and I um, can um, learn to like identify our needs, our hopes and our desires uh, for both the present and the future, um, people who've had a hard time <laughs> doing that, um, is by looking back at the past and thinking mm-hmm. about, well, what were my needs a- as a nine-year-old? Mm. What, what did I know then that I wasn't able to articulate? And um, what do I know now You know mm-hmm. that I can share with my inner nine-year-old? Mm-hmm. Uh, ab- about who they were and, and, and who that little person, you know, mm-hmm. still it has, it is today, has grown to be. So mm-hmm. try, trying to be healthy out here. Um, <sighs> but it's a lot. It really, it really is a lot. And I've, I've really appreciated uh, the camaraderie I've been able to locate um, within other trans and gender non-conforming, non-binary friends, um, but also uh, queer people more generally, and also uh, cishet friends and family uh, mm-hmm. as well who are, who are um, re- really interested in practices of allyship and, and that sort of thing. So mm-hmm. that's me. That's <sighs> how are you feeling? <laughs> I just want to reach across this whole entire continent and hug you. Um, I, I just feel like I just wish that all of my, all of the trans people that I love, the trans people I don't know, you, the kids, everybody like could just like life is hard period. Like life is hard, no matter what, no matter what hand like you're dealt and how much 
money and power you have. Life right. is hard and sad for everybody. And I wish that trans kids could spend their time and energy and anxieties on just like the big life questions that, and the relationships that, and the beauty that is just being a human in the world and that they didn't have to spend so much, likely all consuming time and energy on like this one aspect of themselves and having to draw upon every single resource they have just to be because of this one aspect of their identity. And I just feel like it, I'm, I'm so angry on so many levels and so sad on so many levels and also just mourning that like these kids are not able to, you know, like they need to be concerned about like their physics test or Mm -hmm. their like the dynamics on like in recess and whether or not they're going to be picked like third or eighth for the team, Mm -hmm. you know, like those, those like, or their, their new best friend, like those are the things that they should be able to think about. And what, you know, learning the different colors and the big ass Crayola boxes, like (laughs) all these things of just being a human being in the world. And they're having to be acutely focused on whether they can go to the bathroom or whether they can be referred to by their name, you know, and their, and who they, whether they can be seen Mm -hmm. and, and be safe. And that's among many other sad realities that are much more urgent and violent. I'm just feeling that sense of sadness for them and you and everybody in the sense of just loss of not getting to, explore all of the weird aspects of what it means to be alive in the world because all of that energy is being is forced to be focused on just trying to survive mm-hmm. these assaults. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I think it's worth noting, you know, in, in the midst of all of that, to me, one of the greatest uh, disservices of having a legislative session like this is that again, you know, First, you have poor or uh, incorrect representations of trans people and trans experiences. And then when statements are made by governors or the bills themselves, you know, sort of make it into the media ether, then um, at at best, trans um, people and non-binary people, gender non-conforming people get to be pitied mm-hmm. and that to me is better than like open hostility and violence but it, it's still not um a, a world where we can be safe mm-hmm. um i i think that uh it, it's dignity right mm-hmm. and it's not giving people dignity it's not ascribing us our dignity it is acknowledging that it already exists. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And and that's what I want to see. And I think that kids in particular, uh, they're they're still having 
like you've kind of laid out very normal uh, elementary school, middle school, high school experiences, which are not in totality like bad, right? Mm-hmm. They, they are still living their lives and they're growing and they are like understanding themselves and they are being uh, neighbors and students and friends and like significant others, you know, mm-hmm. to each other. Um, but, um, all of that, like beauty, it is certainly, um, uh, shaped also by, by collective grief and sadness. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I think that on one level, there's something wonderfully human about that. Uh, where I have my questions, though, is what part of the sadness here is needless? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. What what is, what heartbreaks and disappointments in life are <laughs> inevitable um, and sort of uh, a respecter of no persons? And and what 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 sadnesses here? What pain points um, are targeted? Yeah, are, are the results of oppression and marginalization, and those are the ones that I really want to fight against. Mm-hmm. <sighs> yeah, there's so much needless suffering, and it's also outrageous that this kind of stuff ramps up in an election year. Right, and it's I think about how egregious it is that these political leaders, lobbyists, people with a political agenda are taking, picking the most vulnerable people and using them as fodder Mm -hmm. to drum up support for their base and drum up fear and Mm -hmm. to sort of mobilize uh, conservatives and constituents to vote for them so they can hold on to power. And it's just, um, I, I, I think about people like our moms, our parents, <laughs> I, I, you know, and how they, what they thought was just, I'll speak for my own situation. What my, what my mom thought was loving God and loving me was so colored by what these, people wanting to hold on to power were telling her and Mm -hmm. that made her choose to reject her queer kid. And I, I think about, you know, there's gotta be a lot of similarities with trans kids that, you know, maybe it's a teacher, maybe it's teachers, maybe it's their families or, you know, that are thinking, Oh, I have these questions and concerns. I have these religious beliefs that I can't, you know, whatever it might be that really is so shaped by people who know what they're doing, right? Actively preying upon vulnerable people for their own. uh, It's just, it's, it's upsetting. It's just so maddening. And I, I, I want to break through to people that I'm sure we both know many people who are concerned about the health of trans, like, you know, whether or not it's healthy and right for trans kids to be able to openly express themselves. And I want to break through to them and like, I'm not sure. It's not like I have all, like, 
it sounds condescending and I don't mean it that way. Like I have, I didn't at one point understand um, the layers of how power works and how the forces that shape our imaginations and beliefs are at work to shape our fears and our, our convictions. And I've lived some life and seen some stuff and it's real. And I've been in the rooms with people making those sorts of negotiations and coming up with those strategies and messaging. And I can't unknow what I know. And I really, really want people, I, you know, and I want them to understand like what's going on here. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. I, you know, I'm, as you were talking, I was reminded of a scene uh, in Pray Away mm. when Jeffrey uh, McCall, who's current leader of the Freedom March, people who claim uh, to have, quote unquote, left behind LGBTQ lifestyles, uh, is, is on the phone with a mother of, of a trans woman. Mm. Oh, um, and yeah. and you can hear the love and the desperation yeah. in in this mother's voice and yeah. and she is asking Jeffrey what she should do her daughter is telling her i i'm transgender i'm a transgender girl i am pursuing you know affirming like care for myself and for me like loving me means that you accept me uh, as your trans daughter mm-hmm. and and Jeffrey with a lot of compassion in his voice, you, you mm-hmm. hear him level with her and resonate and understand mm-hmm. emotionally what she's going through. And, you know, he, as a person who describes himself as ex transgender, um, encourages her to continue to take the stand that she's taking against her child. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and to say that, you know, it's an expression of your love uh, to be protecting your child this way. Mm-hmm. By by you rejecting their their transgender um, experience and identity, you are uh, helping to save them. And the metaphor that Jeffrey uses is, you know, if a child runs out into the road with a semi truck, a semi truck coming, what are you, you're going to pull that child out of the road? Mm-hmm. And I I think about this quite frequently because for Jeffrey and for this mother, the question they're not asking is like, who's driving that semi truck mm-hmm. and, and what is the semi truck? Mm-hmm. Because the problem here is that if coming out as transgender and sharing honestly about who you are, puts you in a position of incredible vulnerability and danger that, that's what this mother and Jeffrey are right about. Is this person mm. who, like, this trans girl, she is, she is in danger. Mm. But they're not, they're not really dealing with what is causing the danger. Mm-hmm. And it, it is these, like, underlying beliefs that there is something inherently broken or pathological about gender diversity. Mm-hmm. That's the semi truck, right? Yeah. Like it's those it's those beliefs, it's the practices, and it's the legislation that comes alongside those beliefs that are putting her in danger, not yeah. the the fact of her personhood by itself. Yeah. Wow. 
we can just end this right now. Let's just <laughs> like we can just get off. That's so that's really powerful, Miles. And I am both thankful for who you are and how you are and the work you do to help people see that and believing that if they do see and understand many people will change and actually be a part of making the better world where trans kids can just enjoy recess and um, the weirdness of being a kid in the world. And also I'm so, I just, I'm sorry that you have to, that you have to spend a week like this where you're feeling all kinds of things yourself and where you also deserve to just be able to go for runs and I don't know, go fishing or surfing and that instead you're having to take this time to be educating people. Um, so yeah, I'm thankful and I'm, uh, pissed off on your behalf. And <laughs> yeah. Gratitude can, and rage. Gratitude <laughs> and rage. Can we take a minute to talk about how incredibly beautiful and awesome trans and non-binary and gender expansive kids are? Yeah. I would I, love to do that. <laughs> I'm, you know, I, I actually cannot believe that there are kids out there that have the courage to come out and tell these, I don't, I don't like the language to come out, but to share this part of themselves with people in their community when there is such overt hostility to trans and non-binary and gender expansive youth. And so like the strength and courage to, uh, even to be knowing, even if they don't share it, even Mm -hmm. to just be sharing it with themselves and to be having this inner dialogue around the complexities of gender during, you know, childhood when the the binary is strong mm-hmm. in our as you're growing up. And I'm just so impressed with the emotional intelligence that that uh, demonstrates with the courage to acknowledge that to themselves and potentially to other people Mm -hmm. and with just the capacity that they obviously have. And I just, I just want to celebrate them and just give them all like just shower glitter all over every single one of them. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, one of uh, my favorite, phrases I feel like I've been introduced to around like young people uh, you know who are experiencing some some form of gender diversity is uh, you know gender explorers you know mm-hmm. or um, kids being described as gender creative mm-hmm. and I I like that because um, you know, if we're looking at like childhood development theories and we're thinking about, uh, you know, what we know to be true about ourselves and about the world, it changes, you know, as, mm-hmm. as we age and as we develop and we're taking in different data points and messages. And a, a child being gender explorative or gender creative um, is not a destiny, right? Like it, it, it changes over time and i think a lot of the fear people have is that if a a child shares something about themselves and you like affirm it in totality that you are locking them into a very specific destiny 
And that is just not true. That is not how it works. Mm -hmm. I, I think people also at the very same time abuse this fact of fluidity or, mm-hmm. you know, dynamicism uh, in a way where they say that all sharing a child does is um, uh, a phase, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's just something they're going through. And so they don't uh, treat it with appropriate seriousness. Mm-hmm. They don't treat it, um, you know, as, as a dignified expression of who this young person is. And, and I think what this illuminates, um, you know, back to this idea of like the, the inherent vulnerability of young people is the lack of rights mm-hmm. that we give to children. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think this is actually a bigger social problem yeah. that is felt around the world mm-hmm. um, than we're really willing to reckon with. And this particular topic um, pulls that out into mm-hmm. the light. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and autonomy over their themselves. Right. Yeah, it is really interesting. It, the The conversation of like, will parents and teachers allow mm-hmm. trans kids to dot dot dot? And it's like, what? Yes, i I have a friend who is a, a high school teacher at a Christian school. In Colorado, and uh, she herself is fully affirming of LGBTQ people and has two trans students who the administration has told her uh, to call them by an incorrect name and to talk about them using incorrect pronouns. Hmm. And that, that is, it's not a written policy. But it is an ask that the administration has made of all of the teachers and the staff and then implicitly wow. all the other students at this school. Oh and that, I mean, that, and that's where, that's where we are. That's, yeah. where, that's the consequences of uh, legislation, whether it passes or not. Mm-hmm. How this discourse is happening leads an administration, leads a principal to believing that that is the best course of action mm-hmm. for her students. Mm-hmm. And like, I think that, and that means that all day long, these two kids, as they go about their day are overtly hearing, you are not wanted here. Right. We do not want you. Yes. All yeah. day long. And having to, to wonder every time someone's going to speak to them, if they're going to be told they're not wanted or told that they're wanted and loved. Like yes. that's on a basic level what they're experiencing in their bodies. Right. And gosh, fuck all these people. It's just so <laughs> outrageous. It's yes. infuriating. Yes. Yeah. And I, I think in my own personal experience, and I wonder if, if this is true for you, even, even if it is a little bit different, is as that teenager – it really sets your bar very low, <laughs> very low for, for what it means to be interacted with um, respect and dignity and mm-hmm. much more love mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because it, it, it changes the minimum of, of how you can, you experience the world to relate to you in a kind way. Mm-hmm. And when that's true, when you, when that, 
bar is dropped so low, mm-hmm. it leads to so many other yeah. uh, social and emotional problems. Yeah. Yeah, it makes you much, so much more vulnerable to abusive relationships yes. in the future because if you experience yes. the smallest amount of tenderness, you're willing to tolerate a lot of abuse. Yes, exactly. And that, to me, <laughs> is something that's not talked about a lot. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. I wonder, I... Yeah. So this is uh, related, but I'm curious to hear, it's like a slight diversion, but related. I'm curious to hear your thoughts about the relationship between being queer and coming out as gay and also gender identity and expansiveness. And I'm asking this both philosophically because I'm curious and I'm an observer and also because personally, and I haven't talked about this much with like, I haven't talked about it at all publicly, um, but only among really close friends. Like I have always for a very long time uh, since I was a kid experienced some sort of gender identity and gender dysphoria. And I think even like things like my eating disorder when I was younger was likely more rooted in gender dysphoria than anything else because it was like I wanted my shoulders to be broader mm. than my hips yeah. and things that were like wanting more of a male body and a lot of – I just definitely have like a lot going on gender-wise that part of why I don't talk about it is because I still don't understand and I don't know what it is or what it means mm-hmm. and I just was so worried about surviving – for Mm -hmm. so long that that was uh, something that I just kind of held within and maybe would bring up to therapists sometimes. Mm -hmm. And I also knew that I wasn't like, I am a man in a woman's body. Like many of the common trans stories that you hear, they're like from the time that they were four, they were going to jump out of their window if they couldn't be acknowledged as the gender that they were. And so since that wasn't my experience and it was other things going on in my fantasies and in my relationships and things like that, I just kind of thought, okay, well, I'm not transgender. And so these things don't really matter. And I just put them in a little box somewhere down there. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I think about a lot, you know, we do see a lot of people come out as gay and then a few years later however many years later, come out as trans. There are a lot of people who come out as gay and then come out as uh, genderqueer, non-binary. Mm-hmm. There, which is a different experience than one of the mainstream trans narratives that I just referenced, which is mm-hmm. I am trans and that has very little to do with my sexual identity mm-hmm. and everything to do with my gender identity, which feels very binary. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't, I don't know. I'm putting a lot out there, but I'm curious just your reflections on all of that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I have a lot of thoughts, lots of little anecdotes. I'm trying to, in this moment, distill what feels the best, um, to present, 
but uh, we're just going to go for it. And um, one, I appreciate you sharing. Um, that's my my more um, you know diplomatic way of responding. And two, my answer is duh. That's true about you. <laughs> um, yeah, duh. Uh, in the most, affir- it's the most affirming duh I can offer you. Um, Thanks. Yeah, yeah, That's, yeah. Yeah, appreciate it. So it's nice to be seen. Yes, I, I think, and this actually does tie directly to the conversation we're having about trans and gender non-conforming kids, because um, as you have named very early in most of our lives, we are actually uh, asking ourselves some questions around like, what's a boy? What's a girl? Is there another gender? Am mm-hmm. I that gender? Yeah, That sort of thing. Even, you know, kids grow up who, who understand themselves to be cisgender and heterosexual also ask themselves those questions mm-hmm. very early. And, and, and so that begins and we start to receive messages at school, at church, from our families, from our communities, that you're only allowed to ask those questions to a certain extent. You're not really allowed, you know, to try on different ways to relating um, to what some of the answers to those questions might be. And so then we uh, quiet down, you know, what we're experiencing. And, and I think for a lot of people who are going through that uh, process or experience, one of the ways that they begin to have to deal with it more squarely is to the extent that it does overlap with sexual orientation. Mm-hmm. Because... For that little person, uh, they become a teenager. Uh, puberty sets in. That leads to different anxieties, stresses, uh, but also um, crushes and opportunities and, and intimacy, relationships, whether that be with friends uh, or significant others. And, and that is the time where I feel like when somebody had been experiencing some questions or ideas um, or inclinations about gender identity, uh, a more convenient and accessible category is sexual orientation because Mm. it it does seem a little more cut and dry. Um, Mm -hmm. And and so that's sort of where I think that identifying as gay or identifying as queer um, can be really convenient for a lot of people who are sort of wrestling um, with bigger questions of belonging, of intimacy, of identity. And so that to me is at least part of the reason why it is not uncommon for a person, this is true for me, to uh, share about themselves that, um, you know, they have a gay, you know, lesbian or, you know, bisexual or queer sexual orientation and then once they're able to embrace that, once they're able to find supportive community, once they're able to meet other people who have wrestled with some similar questions, then the space is created in their mind and in their body to start to wonder back to those childhood thoughts of like, well, 
what else is going on here? Mm-hmm. And maybe what's going on here, it's not that it's not about sexual orientation. It's just that it's probably about more than that. Mm-hmm. And maybe the more than that is how I think about gender identity, how I think about gender expression. And, and that's where I want to start doing some more intentional work. And from that point, uh, that's when I, I think, again, like you, you see people start to say, well, like, turns out I'm, not, I'm actually non-binary. Mm-hmm. You know, turns out like I'm, I'm gender fluid or I'm gender queer or I am a transgender person, a transgender man, transgender woman, tra- trans femme, trans masculine. There's so many different ways of how a person can understand themselves. And I think it's a mistake to chalk all that up to um, uh, individuality and uh, self-knowledge, self-expression, because I do believe uh, our genders, regardless of your gender identity, are communal. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they are things, they are ways of thinking about ourselves that is connected to how we relate to our parents to our siblings, to our neighbors, to our cousins, to our friends. Like Mm -hmm. we are putting together the data about ourselves and our gender because of the data we have about other people and their genders. Mm -hmm. And um, so I, I understand the reason why people want to make this really rigid contrast between sexual orientation Mm -hmm. and gender identity because they are different. Mm -hmm. But just because something's different does not mean that they do not overlap Mm -hmm. and does not mean that they are entirely distinct, you know, Mm -hmm. or sorry, that they are entirely distinct. Mm -hmm. I, I know transgender people who, uh, you know, transgender men, transgender women who explicitly, um, have had a binary experience of gender, you know, sort of that self-knowing from an early age or at least in adolescence or early adulthood. Um, You know, I, I was assigned female at birth, but I'm a man Mm -hmm. and I know that to be true of myself or, you know, uh, I was assigned male at birth, but I know I am a woman. Mm -hmm. And, and those are very common. I actually think in terms of like statistics, that is the most common transgender experience at Mm. least had been um Mm. and a part of that i I think has been a historical lack of information and language uh around non-binary gender non-conforming gender queer kinds of experiences and identities but it's also just representative of how those people have experienced like what they've experienced to be true of themselves Mm -hmm. and and many transgender men and women do identify as heterosexual or Mm -hmm. straight. And, and so, yeah, I, I understand why it can be really valuable to separate the two, Mm -hmm. but I'm gonna, I guess my hot take on this is that they're more connected than they're disconnected. Mm -hmm. And, and to me, that's because like every recorded you know human civilization uh has had people who sort of went beyond 
whatever the conventions were of the gender system given to them. Mm-hmm. And, and those people had a, a way of relating to their societies in terms of roles and responsibilities that sort of went outside the bounds uh, of what it meant to be man or woman or often even third gender or different gender. There are so many different gender systems that have existed across societies for all of time. And, mm-hmm. and I think that, you know, there, there's a lot of talk about um, un, um, erasing or blowing up or revolutionizing the binary or this intensity around the binary um, not existing. But um, many people do experience their gender in a binary way cis or trans Mm -hmm. uh the binary is just not all there is yes yes yeah and yeah so i think a a part of what makes it so hard um for uh trans people or cis people independent of their sexual orientation to really reckon with all of this is uh the the problem that we're all facing, and and I would call that problem misogyny. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I, I do believe underneath homophobia, underneath transphobia, mm-hmm. is misogyny. Mm-hmm. And and you know we talked about this a little bit in a previous conversation, um, but it is you know the hatred or just the, the simple devaluing mm-hmm. of femininity mm-hmm. of the feminine, you know, if we want to use it that way. Uh, and um, the rules that are then created around the uses of femininity mm-hmm. and the feminine. And I, I think that there's a lot of panic among um, cis, lesbian, gay, and bisexual people um, because of this idea that a trans person is merely a lesbian, gay, or bisexual person who just took things too far. I know. <laughs> the slippery slope. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. And, and because of the way that transphobia or misogyny, I guess, is again, where I'm locating the real problem, um, is, is that you, you, are taught to say, well, I may be this, but I'm not that. Mm, mm-hmm. And and being not that makes you better. Mm-hmm. It makes you safer. It makes you more normative. It makes mm-hmm. it easier to fit into society and to benefit um, in all the ways that fitting in affords a person who, mm-hmm. quote, unquote, fits in. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I think this is why a lot of the distance you know has been created between mm-hmm. sexual orientation and gender identity interesting yeah is is this like latent misogyny mm-hmm. um and and the fear of being rejected even more you know being even mm-hmm. weirder or um more different than they've yeah. already felt you know it it's going to lead to less belonging less connection less mm-hmm. um you know more and, 
more material, you know, um, need meeting as well. Housing, mm-hmm. job security, you know, financial security, these, these kinds of things like to, for so many people to be a, a trans non-binary gender non-conforming person is to be perpetually um, hmm. met, you know, with pushback mm-hmm. um, and a, a lack of being seen and hmm. un- understood and, and embraced. So um, I, I, all of this is to say, like, I get why people are scared. I get mm-hmm. why it's so hard to wrestle um, mm-hmm. with these subjects and, you know, with these topics, especially, especially as it pertains to like your, (laughs) your own body. Yeah. Um, but my, my greatest encouragement for most people as they're kind of, uh, you know, looking at their own story, looking at their own life, you know, and what their experiences and questions have been is to just like try, try some stuff on, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, like there, there are different ways to, experiment and to explore even as an adult Mm -hmm. uh, you know and that's one of like the really fun parts of uh you know our hair and our clothes and um the way we walk and the way we talk being connected to gender is that these are all things that are mutable Mm -hmm. you know these are all things that that can change and Um, there's no one way to change and maybe you don't want to change at all. That doesn't make you any more or any less mm-hmm. of, you know, a, a trans or gender exploring, gender creative type of person. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's, you know, something I've, I've enjoyed doing with, um, particularly the parents of trans and gender nonconforming kids is to ask them about their own gender journeys. Mm. You know, mm-hmm. um, times in their life where um, they were told, like, you can't do this because mm-hmm. you're a boy or a girl, or they were made to feel like their hair needed to look a certain way, or their clothes needed to look mm-hmm. a certain way, or that mm-hmm. they should um, pay for something, or they should not pay for something, wow. or yeah. that this is what their responsibilities in any particular relationship should look like. All of the oughts we mm-hmm. assign to gender are mm-hmm. really interesting <laughs> to mm-hmm. me. And yeah. I like for people to reflect on those. I think that that is That's um, great. one of the ways we move forward is yeah. that everybody can kind of tell what their own gender story is. Everybody has those moments of yes. like, oh no, I don't want to feel that way again, which right. is some sort of insecurity they felt around not fitting into a gender expectation. Um, and that, yeah, that's really interesting. I love the idea of like a cis dad, uh, being asked to reflect on his own gender journey (laughs) because there's going to be a lot there and there just hasn't been a lot of space given probably for him to even do that with himself, much less share that with anybody else. Right. And then to imagine what that might be like, that's really, Miles, you're so wise. (laughs) You've got a lot of wisdom in those (laughs) That just, little body of yours. Just, just out here collecting the data, Julie. <laughs> That's what I'm doing. Um, there are so many threads for our future conversations here that I keep wanting to pick at, and <laughs> then this is going to get very long. But I want to 
put a pen in some of these ideas and yes. revisit them with you Great. in the coming weeks. Deal. Miles, thank you for being you. I like you so much. I think you're such a gift. And I hope you get lots of just like surfing and joy time in your body and time away from the uh, all the the discourse yeah. going on <laughs> around uh, beautiful human beings such as yourself and those little those little kids out there. Yeah, being rambunctious little selves. I hope you feel that sense of just lightness and joy in your weekend coming up, and that you know that you're loved. Like exact, like just as you are, you're so deeply loved by so many people. Thank you, Julie. I receive these affirmations. I feel the same about you. And yeah, let's let's do this again. Not All necessarily right. the same time, but certainly <laughs> the same place. <laughs> okay. Bye, Miles. Happy bye. weekend, everyone. <laughs>